Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a remarkable interview for all of you listeners today. Maybe my favorite episode we've done this season as we get to share the fascinating story of Kareem Alaf. Now, for those of you listeners who aren't aware of what's happened to Kareem of late, let me share a brief synopsis here in the intro through Throughout his career, Kareem had represented the Syrian Tennis Federation. He had competed for Syria multiple times in the Davis Cup. Unfortunately, that just won't be the case moving forward as following Kareem's decision to compete in a first-round futures match against an Israeli player, the Syrian Tennis Federation announced that Kareem had been expelled moving forward. Now, on today's show, we had to have Kareem on the show to share his story. What was his relationship with the Syrian Tennis Federation throughout his career? What did he think might happen in choosing to compete against an Israeli player? And what can we do as tennis fans moving forward to support Kareem in this outrageous decision made by the Syrian Tennis Federation? Again, it is a fascinating conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, we also get into Kareem's career, what it was like to be there in the final season of the Iowa men's tennis program. It's, again, a fantastic podcast. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of this show. Remember, use the promo code CRACK20 to get a free 14-day pro trial plus $20 off your subscription. But with that said, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Kareem Alaf. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision.
Joining us on the podcast today is a man who ended his career as the all-time wins leader in Iowa men's tennis history. Of course, you also know him as a two-time first-team All-Big Ten honoree, the current world number 800 in the ATP singles rankings. Welcome on to the show, Kareem Alaf. Kareem, welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I am doing well. It's another day in paradise, right? For me, I get to talk tennis all the time. It could be worse, as I always say. And so I appreciate you joining me. Did you get to spend your holidays in some sort of fun way? Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. I uh, spent it in Iowa with uh, my girlfriend, girlfriend's family. Uh, just had a good time. Good to, uh, you know, relax and, you know, take some time off from tennis a little bit. Is Iowa still your home base? No, it's not. I'm actually, uh, I'm now based in uh, Starkville at okay. Mississippi State. Uh, thanks to Jake Jacoby, who's my former teammate and now the assistant at, at Mississippi State. And, you know, thanks to M- Matt Roberts as well, um, the head coach for, you know, for setting that up for me and been able to train and also, you know, be a volunteer assistant, which has yeah. been great so far. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, and clearly the Iowa roots are growing in the college tennis uh, coaching rankings. You mentioned joining your former teammate Jake Jacoby at Mississippi State. What led to that decision for you to ultimately make that choice to go be the volunteer assistant at Mississippi State? Uh, So I took took a year off. uh, I wouldn't say a full year off from tennis. So after that last season uh, in Iowa, I – was a little burnt out from, you know, from the sport, everything that happened with our team and us being cut. I quit for four months and then late August, I get a text uh, from the Syrian Tennis Federation saying, would you like to play Davis Cup? Um, We'll send you to a future first and then you'll go play Davis Cup in Jordan. So I was like, debating with myself and talking to my parents saying, Hey, uh, should I go play as well? Keeping in mind, I was doing my master's, uh, in Iowa. So I was going to stay there for a year and, you know, just go from there. And I decided to play. I hit for maybe eight days, (laughs) uh, went out to the future, started qualifying, lost one, two matches, lost last round in qualifying. And then, headed to Davis Cup and I played much better than I did in my whole season at Iowa and uh, I decided to you know play a couple more futures and see how it is and you know for the past from August to May of this year I was basically hitting serves and you know just doing fitness by myself in Iowa City with no team um, I had Oliver Oconqua, who's coming off two knee surgeries and then transferred to Illinois. So I didn't get to practice with him much until March of this year. And uh, so I started off cold turkeying all these futures, um, starting off in Rancho Santa Fe, just week to week, trying to find my level again. And, you know, I got some decent results. And I was trying to look for a base to train at. Obviously, there's no tennis here. And, you know, I, I talked to Jake, he's my, he was my teammate, he was my roommate, you know, one of my close friends at Iowa, a little bit older than me, but, uh, he said, Hey, you know, why don't you come to Mississippi state and, 
you know, train with us, you'll be a volunteer and, you know, you'll have, you'll have structured days. You'll have guaranteed practices. We'll have great players for you. You know? And I said, at the end of my summer, I was like, yeah, I'll come to Starkville. I'm excited. And I've spent over a month there. I went to all Americans with them. Um, and I traveled on my own to play futures and, uh, it's been great. It's been great. That's what I love to hear. And, you know, there's a lot in that answer I want to unpack throughout the course of today's show. But I want to fast forward to you mentioned you were a little burnt out after your final year at Iowa. And I promise I want to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But then you get a text message from the Syrian Tennis Federation saying, hey, we want you to play Davis Cup. And obviously we want to talk about what happened in Fayetteville recently here today. But yeah. That's fascinating to hear to start this story is just to hear, you know, again, you were kind of done with tennis. You were ready to go get your master's degree and move on perhaps from what you were doing on court. I'm curious to, you know, backtrack a year and a half in that moment, what it meant to you to get that opportunity, because obviously in many countries, Davis Cup is the pinnacle of accomplishment in tennis. Yeah, Um I've, I've played Davis Cup for a couple of years now. It's honestly such a crazy experience. Um, I want to say it's like college tennis on steroids. <laughs> and to me, coming from college tennis um, and then bringing that energy into Davis Cup, you know, it might not be, you know, the world group or, you know, where I play against top 100 players, but to us, it's, you know, it's you win now or you go down or you go up. So it's it's basically a whole year riding on three days, basically. So it's it's super fun. Um, it's pretty crazy to, you know, play uh, for your country. Um, it's not my country anymore. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I loved it. You know, it was great. You know, I'm, I, I, hoped, I hope to be back. Uh, you know, at some point in my life playing for the U.S., but uh, we shall see. Yeah. Now, what's a tougher crowd, ruckus at Columbus or on the road for Davis Cup? I don't know. We uh, we got pretty beat down by Ohio State every time. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, we got close to a couple doubles points. Um, but, uh, you know, when you play Ohio State the, at away at their place it's 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 pretty tough you know they don't they don't lose i don't think they've lost or they've lost once in the last i don't know how many years but uh playing the big ten is tough you know uh especially away uh it gets pretty pretty intense and you know if you're not locked in for a little bit that match is going to slip away from you no, it's good preparation for the Davis yeah. Cup. And, yeah, I think for Coach Tucker, it's like they lost to Oklahoma. Shout out Alex Galea. And then I think they lost to Virginia in the COVID year, which we can yeah. choose to count or not count. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it it is fascinating, obviously, because you, you mentioned it there. You had played for Davis Cup uh, for your team multiple times. And I'm curious, again, as we get into what happened in Fayetteville, what was your relationship with the Syrian Tennis Federation? How supportive were they of your tennis? And, you know, what did that look like throughout your career? Um, so I would say as I was younger, they were more involved. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a war-torn country right now. And 
obviously there's, you know, a lot of issues in that department, but they, they weren't very supportive, but they would send me to a couple of tournaments here and there. However, um, there's new management that came in. Uh, there's a new president and a new Davis cup captain and me and our number one player who, or who was the number two when I played last year, um, both decided to ask for tournaments basically before Davis cup this year in September and, or in August. And we basically sent them an email. We texted them saying two months in advance, Hey, uh, is okay if you send us to, you know, a couple weeks in wherever monastery or, you know, maybe help out with expenses in the U S like that would be great. And they didn't respond fast forward two weeks left completely, you know, ignored our email or message saying, Hey, are you coming to Davis cup? And I looked at my WhatsApp and I saw that message. I was like, uh, I'm probably not going to come. And so I talked to our number one guy has him now. Um, he lives out in Germany. You know, he's at a club. He was playing club matches over there. He, uh, he also decided not to go. And uh, Davis Cup was a little tough this year uh, with Vietnam. There's Nam Hoang Lee at 200. Um, guy from Florida and Jordan, from Jordan. Um, I don't know if he's coming back to Florida or not. Abdullah Shobai was there. And, you know, some good competition, Colin Sinclair at Pacific Eugenia. So some good players there. And we decided, you know, if we don't have a number two or a number one that's, you know, going to – gonna help us both you know uh we're not gonna go so we both decided not to go maybe 15 years they got relegated to group four which which is kind of never happened since i've come into the tennis world uh, so yeah i decided not when i decided to play uh some futures and instead and go go to Starkville and start there. So it it didn't work out. But yeah, fast forward two months um, in Fayetteville. I don't know if you want to talk about that right now. But no, I do. So that gets me to exactly where we play. So instead of playing Davis Cup, you elect to stay stateside, play a bunch of futures events, and then you know we get to Fayetteville, where ultimately, obviously, that Fayetteville event, a, a futures event, I want to say, was a 15k event, if my memory serves me correct. And you know, there, first round, you draw Nitsan Riklis, who obviously from Israel, um, a, a match for what it's worth. You win six one six one, and I'm sure to you, in the moment, it felt like a fairly innocuous first round match, maybe forgettable even with that six one. 6-1 scoreline, but then, of course, uh, the Syrian Tennis Federation uh, releases a message saying that as a result of you playing that match, you know, you have been expelled from the country and that you will not be, you know, able to represent Syria. You will not be able to go back moving forward simply for competing against an Israeli player in this first round pro match. Did you and I mean, I don't even know where to start with that. But I guess, was there any notion in your mind that this may have happened going into the first round? Was this the first time you had faced an Israeli opponent? Uh, yeah, it was my first time ever. Um, obviously, I knew the rule 
um, basically most, I don't know if all Arabic countries, um, do that, but Syria, especially choose not to represent. And again, I have nothing against anybody. You know, I've, you know, I've lived a great life. I respect everyone equally. And, uh, they choose not to rep, uh, not represent. Well, just they, to clarify to, to yeah. your point, this is just an explanation of the rule, if you don't mind. Yeah. So what is yeah. the rule specifically? So the rule is I have to pull out of a match against an Israeli player. And they don't recognize Israel as a country. Mm-hmm. So the rule is if you were to draw against an Israeli, you have to pull out. It's happened before with uh, in the ATP tour with Jaziri and uh, Dudi Sela. Um, he pulled out with an injury, but you know that's that's their own story that happened many years ago, and there are some sanctions for that. But I don't know what other countries are doing, but that's a serious stance so far on it. Mm-hmm. No, and so you're aware of this rule. I mean, did it weigh at you at all going into the first round match? No, I mean, I I took it in as as a match. I knew there was going to be some sort of, you know consequence from them obviously they haven't supported me in over a year and a half and uh you know i don't know the the people running it anymore so or running the federation anymore so i you know i don't owe it to them to pull out they're not doing anything for me and obviously i wasn't going to pull out you know it's i'm here in the future i'm playing a match like i want to compete i want to play against anybody so in my head i'm like all right i'm gonna go play the match Whatever happens, happens, and I'll deal deal with it from now on. But I, in my head, I was waiting till the end of the year to decide to change to the U.S. I have a dual citizenship, and uh, the day day before my match in Austin, just fast forward a week, I get that Twitter post of their official document saying I've been expelled, and uh, my parents are visiting that week, and. If you type my name in Arabic, uh, there's a lot of Twitter posts and Facebook posts. So I have my dad on my shoulder, you know, reading every comment in Arabic. And I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't want to hear this anymore. I got to match the play. But um, yeah, that was it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have no ill will towards anyone. Again, uh, you know, the Syrian Federation did that. Their sports ministry released it, and you know, it's, it's a closed chapter from there. Well, just to be clear, you know, you're on a podcast with a Jewish yeah. man. So, like, you know, again, I think that it's pretty clear in your stance. Um, sure. But just to – because I do want to elaborate on that and we don't need to – you know, I don't need your opinion on the rule. We don't have to break down Israeli-Syrian relations. Uh, that's yeah. not going to be the intent of this podcast. But you talk about your family and I'm curious – if there's any degree of concern uh, for you in that moment and you talk about again because Syria is not a massive country. And as such, I am sure as someone who has competed for Davis Cup, you are a noted Syrian athlete. And I'm just curious, you know, again, as this – you talk about what's going through your head. Um, what what goes through one's head in a moment like that when you see this statement? Uh. Yeah, it, it hurts, you know. Um, it hurts that, you know, the people that you've played for, um, you know, you play for your country, you go out and you're playing, you 
leave everything that you have or if I'm in college or in the summer, I go out and play Davis Cup. And it's usually all in Far East Asia. So, you know, I'm taking a two-day trip to get there, compete my ass off for, you know, four days and come back. And, you know, like it, it's something I've looked forward to every year um, besides this year. But it does hurt. You know, they didn't they didn't get, give me a warning. They didn't tell me anything, you know. So looking at that and then on the Facebook posts or any Twitter posts, it's them mocking the sports ministry. All the people are like, what's wrong with him playing? Like, you know, it's just a regular human being. You know, go play him. He won. Like, what's the issue? Like, he played a match. Like, this is just stupid. So, you know, coming to my, my next match, I play uh, today as Perulik in, in Austin, and I'm just pretty much brain dead. You know, I've been on my phone for about three hours. I was playing last match on at around 6 p.m., and just like my phone won't stop blowing up. And uh, so I just switch off my phone. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough day. I can only imagine what that's like, what you're going through. And I'm curious, what support – you sort of alluded to it there. You know, what has the reception been, I can't, you know, from the broader – well, I guess first of all, were you notified about this decision via Reem's tweet? Like was Reem's tweet the only sort of communication you got at all from the Sirius Ten- uh, Syrian Tennis Federation? Uh, well, I-, I saw it from a previous tweet and then uh... – I it was mostly in the Arabic Twitter world, okay. so I asked you know Reem to to share the news. Um, I grew up in Abu Dhabi, so she uh, she started her career there. I'm assuming um, I knew her since I was 12 years old, and uh, she tweeted it out. Thanks to her for bringing that to light, and uh, yeah, just to get more people knowing what what they did not to me but hopefully it, this doesn't happen again to other athletes from you know arabic countries yeah it's just a policy yeah. it's an archaic yeah. policy that just seems yeah. unacceptable in 2022 Absolutely. without question and you know again i am curious then based off of that what has the reception been you sort of mentioned it earlier but what you know what have people done to support you what can we do as a tennis populist to ensure a there are no repercussions for you moving forward, but be that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, I just think the ITF should be involved in this. You know, um, I sent them an email like saying, Hey, I've been unjustly uh, expelled. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I would like to change my flag uh, to the U S here's a copy of my passport. Um, but yeah, I think the ITF needs to, you know, needs to get involved. I don't know what they should do, but they should just make it right on, you know, basically everybody. And they should just keep track of, you know, if these this were to happen again, it should never happen again. Yeah. Well, yeah. I imagine some of the issue is so what sort of – has the ITF offered any sort of institutional support? This is one of those issues, right, where the lack of a players union to step in and say we are not – if you want to be a professional player, you're competing against all of us, right? It just yeah. it doesn't exist. I'm curious if there is any sort of institutional support to help you. No. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing. It's ridiculous. And I sent them, them the email. You know, I said I'd like to talk to someone. 
uh, explain my situation. They said, uh, this was two weeks ago. We'll get back to you next week. Mm, you know, I haven't gotten a response since. Yeah, no, it's absurd. And again, that's why we wanted to have you on the show so that you could talk about this story and just express because for you moving forward, obviously you're the volunteer at Mississippi State, but I assume the plan is to continue competing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. You know, I've uh, I've lived with regret for a little bit uh, those four months that I quit. Um, I just want to play, see how far I can go. And, you know, once that chapter, sorry, once that chapter is closed, it's, uh, it's done. You know, I, I live with no regret. I've done everything I can to potentially, you know, put myself at a good spot to, you know, get my ranking higher. And yeah, I just didn't, didn't want to quit tennis there. And I had a different, you know, perspective on life and, tennis itself and and now i'm more grateful to play every day yeah so let's go in reverse order there and let's start with that post quitting perspective i did a podcast recently with jy oban who was in a similar position where post college tennis he just was burnt out and just didn't have enough left in him you know i'm curious what your own experience was like why you stepped away from the game and you mentioned gaining that perspective what did you learn during those months that maybe made you, you know, that you valued the tennis more when you returned? Well, yeah. Um, you know, when you're in a college tennis team, everything's pretty much, especially in the power five or at any school, you get practices right away. Everything's set up for you. You've got, you know, fresh, fresh can of balls every day. You know, you, play against teammates, you're, you know, good players every day. You kind of take that for granted on a day-to-day basis. You know, you get all these matches and, you know, our last year and all that other issues with us being cut. And uh, it was a little too much to handle at some point. You know, we were all pretty much checked out after we lost a couple matches in a row. And, yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on us all to compete as this was the very last season for Iowa tennis. And, you know, unfortunately we didn't rise to the occasion and that, that kind of put me in a spot where, yeah, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like I'm just going to step off and quote unquote retire from tennis, even though I didn't really start playing pro tennis, but yeah. You know, yeah. I, I gained a lot of perspective from that one Davis Cup that I played going out to these two futures in Texas last year in November. And, you know, then coming back to Iowa with no practices and, you know, you just, you miss those things. You should, I, I learned how to be grateful for those moments in my life where I wasn't grateful to have, you know, these things handed to me as a college athlete. So, you know, now as a as a pro player, volunteer coach, I step into, you know, the courts in Starkville. I'm like, uh, this is great. You know, like I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to play tennis. I'm happy, you know, help some guys out too. You know, it it's a different sense or feeling at this point compared to a year and a half ago. No doubt about that. I'm curious, obviously, to come back mentally, you expressed that there. Coming back on the court physically after four months, 
it's the movement, right? Like, and maybe yeah. the serve. Like, I feel like, do you still feel to some extent you're like, ah, there are times where I'm like, you know, pre four month break, I'm getting that ball for sure. Yeah. Well, the good thing was I kept up physically. Okay. But I didn't play, I didn't play tennis. Yeah. So the more reps I got, the easier it felt. But obviously, there are parts of my game where I forgot how to volley at some point. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so like I was, I was banking on my singles. Hopefully, not playing a deciding doubles. So when I when I got to doubles, I you know it was it was hard to stick some volleys, but yeah. and re- returns returns is what kind of gets to you a lot. Yeah. No, Ross Wilson would argue you never really knew how to volley. So what could you have forgotten? Um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You you used to get on me a lot for volleying. Yes. Um, But no, I mean, so you talk about that last year and this is, I feel like the time to get into that, the mental taxation of knowing a program that you have spent five years, not only, uh, you know, blood, sweat, tears for the program, but a program that, you know, was what, 13 and two or whatever the record was prior to COVID hitting in 2020 and seemed to really be clicking on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden, you know, not only is there all the uncertainty of COVID, but all of a sudden it's announced that Iowa men's tennis is ending or Iowa athletics is ending the men's tennis program. Talk me through that last year. What just, again, from the high of the 13 and two all the way through. Yeah, so um, we got to, I want to say, 19 in the country before COVID. Um, COVID 12 hit. and 2, by the way. 12 and 2 oh, yeah, to have 12, in front of me. Yeah, yeah uh, we got to 19 or 20 in the country and COVID hit. You know, we take all this time off, um, make a last-minute decision to take the fall off. And, you know, all these freshmen come in. You know, we had we had a good group coming in. Um, first week of school, they I, I get the same text to or email saying, uh, you know, you guys are needed at, at Carver, which is the basketball arena where the compliance is and everything. And you know, I, I don't pay attention to it. And then you know, those guys meet, you know, nothing else, didn't really hear anything that day. and Ross and Jason Kirst, my former teammate, was also taking the fall off, who's my year. Ross sends us a text saying, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. The team's been cut. Um, I don't know what's going to happen right now. Uh, love you guys. Like, we'll see. We'll see how it is. And, you know, I just – I've never felt so angry and so sad at the same time. And coming back – in the spring was a whole different experience. Um, I feel like some guys kind of gave up before the season even started. You know, Big Ten couldn't compete in the fall. Uh, A lot of guys were out with COVID, COVID testing issues. Uh, You know, all those rules and sanctions that they put out was a little too harsh, you know, sitting out for three weeks after testing positive, even with no symptoms. was hard on some guys, you know, like they couldn't do anything for three weeks. And especially in a sport where you require so much practice, so much repetition and, and rhythm, you know, you, you go out, we had six guys out before a kickoff 
and we had guys getting cleared the day we traveled. So we had Joe Tyler, Nikita Sneshko, you know, um, guys in our lineup that we needed. Will Davies, guys haven't played Iraq and we're out playing Virginia, you know, with all the, you know, their top guys now that were freshmen, Rodish, Montes, and I'm playing Carl Soderlund. Uh, me, Jason, and a guy who wasn't starting were the only guys practicing beforehand. And it was tough. You know, we got beat. Uh, some guys got literally hurt the day against Virginia, too. So they just had no practice, had no preparation and it was tough so it took us a couple of weeks to get going we got kind of shoved under the rug a little bit you know we try to make some noise about our team being cut we wore the pink shirts we wore some of the, we wore the u.s open agassi shirt um you know to make our own statement and you know it, nothing really happened you know they kind of just shoved us under the rug and let us wither away Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you talked about the, the shirts and the yeah. trying to wrangle the community behind you guys. How taxing was that? I mean, I'm sure off the court, how much time was spent trying to do those things? Because you you mentioned Jason, shout out to people from Michigan. Um, you know, just what I, I'm sure that was as much an effort as anything you guys were doing on the court as well. Yeah, um, it takes a toll, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially in college sports uh you really gotta have a school spirit you know mm-hmm. that's part of being a good team is you loving your school you know playing for your school playing for your teammates that aspect wasn't there we felt like the whole school was against us for wearing that shirt um we had someone from administration who never bats an eye on us ever saying we would like you to wear Iowa clothes and we're like who, who are you tell us this right now? You know, you basically don't come out to watch us. You don't support us for the last four years. And this is our administrator. And now this administrator is telling us to not wear our shirts. And we're like, yeah, thanks for your input. We're going to keep wearing our shirts. Mm-hmm. And we asked them questions why we were cut. And it just, it, it didn't make sense. You know, like for a team that is usually not this year, um, they're pretty bad this year. Their football team is uh, is usually a top twenty team. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know basketball won the Big Tens last year. They have all this influx of money. It's the only. It's the biggest sport in Iowa is the Iowa Hawkeyes. There's nothing else that goes around this sport, and they're pretty self sufficient. And you know, they're trying to tell us about forecasting and all this, all their lawsuits that were, you know hidden away they had a title nine violation because they cut women's swimming which led them to a settlement that added women's wrestling now which you know which we found out right after we got done with the season and we're like where is this money coming from you know they're building a brand new wrestling facility apparently all owned by donors but um you know that's that's how it is i guess we'll never know why we got cut, but the reason is only financial reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that cloud your college tennis experience, or do you still look back fondly at your five years at Iowa? And I'm just, you know, again, curious, if they were to bring back the program, would it be a place where you're ready to offer forgiveness? 
Yeah, um, I've kind of come terms to terms with it. You know, thinking about it, you know, usually stings sometimes, but um, it's 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 bittersweet. You know, I I don't think anyone will have this experience. I know Minnesota's went through this too. Um, no one's really going to have that experience of you know have it going to a team where they weren't very good to start with. Shout out to Ross and every all of my teammates that you know helped us you know, be a team that were, that was improving over time. And, you know, we wanted to be a name in college tennis. We wanted Iowa to be, you know, recognized that they were a tennis team and not, you know, some guys usually in the past that teams would roll over. Um, it is bittersweet, you know, it, it hurts, but there's a lot of great memories, you know, I'm very close with all my teammates. I talked to Ross and, and our former assistants, Lloyd, a lot. So, you know, we still have our group chat from a year and a half ago. It's still active. You know, some guys are playing, some guys have moved on, you know, but it's uh, it's a very tight group. So, I, you know, it's always good to get back to that and people still remember what's going on. But, you know, you come, I came out, I went to Iowa City last week for a football game. I felt like a complete ghost. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Yeah, you, know, you go back and you know you, you basically don't exist anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. fun. Welcome to getting older, yeah. my friend. Um, well, yeah. again, last few questions for you. Why was college tennis the right thing for you? How'd you end up at Iowa? Uh, you know, my parents, my parents always wanted me to uh, go to the U.S. and because I lived in Abu Dhabi. Uh-huh. My, my whole life and they wanted me to go to school in the u.s and as i was playing tennis as a itf junior i had to travel a lot because there's no tournaments back home and so i went to uh i started facebook messaging college coaches i wanted to you know go play college tennis sure. and yeah you know, i stumbled across ross wilson with a you know with the tiger hawk logo on his profile picture <laughs> saying hey uh, are you looking forward to uh, coming to iowa or are you looking to come to Iowa? Are you looking to play college tennis? I said, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I was actually born in Iowa, which is kind of crazy how I come to play in Iowa. But uh, I have family that live out in Des Moines. My parents came to visit. I was born there, then moved right back to Abu Dhabi. And uh, I met Ty Schaub, who was the assistant at the time in Austria in a grade two ITF junior. He watched me play uh, Yuya Ito, who is <laughs> sure. top Shout out 40. Texas. Yeah. Um, I think I lost one and four, two and four, but I was up four, four, one in the second. Uh, I was on clay too. So that was, that was a rough experience for me, you know, playing a guy as solid as that and rips every ball. It's, it's, it wasn't a fun day, but, uh, you know, Ty Shaw was interested and, he went out to Ross and, you know, we kept talking ever since. And then I, you know, committed the spring before coming in for the fall. Yeah. And I'm curious for yeah. you now, you talk about the influence of your coaches getting into coaching. Is that something you're interested in moving forward? And just talk to me about what even that first All-American experience was like. I've got, I've, that question has been asked a lot this fall. <laughs> um, I certainly do love college coaching. I'll say that, but I don't know if I want to pursue as a career as of now. Um, but going to all Americans, 
I loved sitting on the court. I loved coaching guys. You know, as a pl- as a current player, I was you know it's a different it's a different outlook. You get to see uh, all these guys play, and you know some guys. You know, I played Ethan Quinn in in uh, future. And I was like, yeah, there, there's multiple guys here that absolutely kicked my ass this summer. You know, so it's, it, it's kind of fun. It was kind of fun coaching up and watching all the competition again from a coach's perspective, not as a college player. No, that, that does sound like a good time. Um, yeah, and I'm curious for you moving forward. Obviously, you're the volunteer here this year, but the plan yeah. is to continue to play, right? What is twenty? Yeah. What does the offseason in 2023 look like for you? So I'm go- I'm going home next week. Um, I'm gonna spend a week there and then potentially play two uh, futures in Egypt, and then I I will take January off and then from playing. But I'll be training at Starkville. I'll travel with the team. I'll help them out in uh, dual matches. That'll kind of be my off season, and uh, I'll start start back up playing in February. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I mean, I assume are you going to be in the states? Where Where are you looking to play? Yeah, um, I'll start in the states. I don't think they've released the schedule for uh, February on ITF, so I'll kind of sure. see where uh, the best place to go is. Yeah. But yeah, I was trying to you know make a nice little run at the end of the year and uh, finish off on a strong note. Uh, that's what I like to hear. Well, my yeah. last question, because you brought something up and you mentioned one of your buddies playing right now over in Europe. One of the most underreported on, but in my opinion, fascinating things that I know happens because you ask players, you hear stories, club tennis in Europe and the team atmosphere there. You know, people go and play there late in the year. It's fun, dual match type environment. Yeah. What do you know about club tennis in Europe? Have you been offered yet? Are you going to go play? Um, I did play as a junior in France, but um, I haven't played in Germany, no. But I heard it's an amazing experience. You play multiple weekends in a row. You know, you get to train there. With I mean, there's top 50, top 100 ATP players playing that. So it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, I would love to experience that at some point in my career. But uh, Matt Roberts did it as a, as a, when he was a pro player. And sorry, that my dog's whining you want to get outside <laughs> uh, yeah he he said it's the greatest experience um we have we have a german player at mississippi state benito uh he plays club tennis every summer there i know some guys have they they speak very highly of it and you know that's something i'd like to do at some point yeah no i I mean, top 800, you're going to get the call sooner rather than later. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. like sneaky good how how deep the field is. Well, with that said, I guess actually this is my final question for you. For people who haven't seen you play, but we'll start to see whether it be on future streams, challenger yeah. streams over the course of the next year, what should they expect from your game? Uh, big forehand, um, <laughs> depending on the day on with serves. Uh I have a good one-two punch. Um, I'm trying to be more solid, uh, be aggressive, you know, all day. You know, play smart, play high, disciplined, aggressive tennis, and that that's how I'm going to play my game. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. It's certainly fun to watch. I said this on a pod I did earlier. 
I would give up the last month of my life for Nishesh Basfaredi's backhand because the amount of joy it would bring me for the next 50 years, it'd be like, it's worth it. It was worth it. I had that backhand the whole time. Yeah, I need a backhand. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. trying no. Buy one. Yeah, exactly. I'll see what we can do. I'll talk to my backhand people and see yeah. if we can't get you hooked up. But yeah. Kareem, really appreciate you taking the time yeah, to share your story here. Me. Obviously, hoping things continue to go well for you and anything we can do to support you, just let us know. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Really appreciate your time. And yeah, you know, this uh, this podcast has been great. You know, always tune in. You have great content, so I'm I'm grateful to be part of it. Oh, I appreciate it, my friend. Well, good luck this year in Starkville, and I am sure we will talk to you more soon. Absolutely. Take care, Alex. Thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Kareem Alaf. A massive thank you to Kareem for taking the time to speak with us, for being so candid in sharing his story. If there's anything we can do to support him as a tennis community, Kareem has promised to let us know. And even if you are just a casual fan of tennis who listens to this podcast, please do let Kareem know you support him on various social media channels. As obviously, again, this is an outrage. This is absurd. What year is it? And we're still talking about something like not competing against a player from a country you don't like. Just absolutely ridiculous. And again, thank you to Kareem for taking the time to share his story, of course. With that in mind, it is off-season mode here at Crack Rackets. And for what it's worth, we want to share a lot of stories. We want to do a lot of things over the next month. We're going to be rocking and rolling on all of our platforms. This show, the Great Shot Podcast, Mini Break Podcast. You can find them all on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you do your social media ing. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout out as well to our dear friends at Swing Vision. Remember, use the promo code CRACK20 to not only let them know that we sent you there, but of course, to get $20 off your subscription plus a free 14-day pro trial. With that said, for the fantastic Kareem Aloff, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>